The text for the sermon is taken from the gospel. Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Today is Rogation Sunday, and Rogation Tide includes today and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday as a season, a short season, of preparation for ascension. This is the season, traditionally, when small Anglican churches would process out and beat the bounds, which is when the whole parish would go out and in a procession go all around the borders of the parish, which was usually quite a large area. And while they were doing that, they would ask for God to bless the coming growing season for the farmers and all the fields. The Book of Common Prayer calls it a season of solemn supplication. This makes sense because the word rogation, it comes from the Latin rogare, which means to ask. So it's the season of asking. And the gospel lesson that we read this morning is well appointed because in it, Jesus tells his disciples that whatsoever they ask the Father in his name, the Father will give it to them. They will, he will grant their request. This is an incredible statement. It's one of profound mystery and therefore one of much confusion. How many of us, when we were young, we heard this voice, ask me anything, ask the Father anything, I'll give it to you in my name. And immediately we prayed, oh God, please give me that shiny new toy. Oh, oh God, please let mom and dad give me a dog. Well, I never got a dog. My dad was highly allergic uh, to animal hair. And so we never got uh, a dog when I was really young. And there's uh, a story that one day when my mom was making lunch for my older brother, I wasn't born yet. She received a phone call in the kitchen and the phone call was from the hospital saying that my dad had just been hit by a truck on his way to work. My brother Ryan asked, Mom, what, what, what it's about? He was about four years old at the time. And she, trying to hold back tears, tell him, tells him what happened. He said, oh, so we can get a dog now. Well, in a dark comedy sort of way, uh, he thought his prayers had been answered. Well, my dad is still alive, and Ryan's prayers were not answered, uh, thank God. And this, of course, this is an extreme example, but it highlights the tension between our lived experience and the words of Jesus, that often what we ask of God, it never comes. God never grants our request. So then what's the meaning of this gospel? How can Jesus make such a bold statement? And then how can we actually believe that as Christians? Well, first off, to understand petition, and petition is the, the name of prayer of asking, we must understand the nature of prayer in general, and then how petition fits into that whole life of prayer. It is only one type of prayer. And so it can only be understood if we see it in the context of the whole. So to understand the nature of prayer, let's take a look at the Lord's Prayer, the supreme example of prayer, and what Jesus gave to us in order to learn about prayer. The Lord's Prayer is actually full of petitions. There's seven of them. You can go and count them. And then of those seven petitions, 
actually only one of them has to do with our own daily temporal needs. And that would be give us our daily bread. And then even that one, though, has a double meaning, of course, right? Because that uh, has a mystical meaning of petitioning God to give us bread that's not of this world, which means his very own body. The, the structure of the prayer is, it, it's really incredible structure, but the first three petitions focus upon God himself. And then the next four focus on God's grace to help us live in Christ. So the first three, let thy name be hallowed, let thy kingdom come, let thy will be done. These all focus upon God and that his will is accomplished in us and in the world. So what we learn from this is that all our prayer then should start from worship. It should start from adoration and acceptance of God as who he is, not how we want him to be. It's his kingdom in which we live, his will that we must follow, his name that is truly holy. Adoration recognizes this. And so all, all of this, we give expression in our worship of God, and we must do that first. Then the second set of petitions, forgive us our trespasses, lead us not into temptation, deliver us from evil, give us our daily bread, these focus on our need for God's grace to live. As St. James put it in the epistle for today, to be doers of the word. From our adoration then, our worship of God, comes an acknowledgement of our own dependency on God. And then also uh, an acknowledgement of our own unworthiness of his holiness. We can look back on our lives we can see the manifold wickedness. Even more, we can look at the history of the world and see the evil that man has wrought. We can say with the psalmist, and this is Psalm 51, I acknowledge my faults. My sin is ever before me. Against thee, God, only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified in thy saying and clear when thou shalt judge. So we must face this fact clearly. And the fact is our own wretchedness and the wretchedness of the world. And we have to face it also with courage. For if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And yet, this comes from the epistle of John, he continues, if we do confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is why we ask God for forgiveness and then for deliverance from the evil one. So from the Lord's Prayer then, we see that all our petitions arise from a correct ordering of our desires. Jesus' instruction in prayer, they teach his disciples to desire God first, and then to desire our life in God next. Once we desire God as we should, that is, as our Father, and we worship Him only, all our other part petitions start fitting correctly into our prayer life. 
Let me give you a great example of this from the liturgy, uh, the part that's called the Sursum Corda. This is where in order to enter into the canon of the mass, uh, the priest will turn around and I will ask you all to lift up your hearts. You then assent to this and you say, we lift them up unto God. You see what's happening? You are ordering your desires to God first. And I'm asking you, please do this. And you say, all right, we're going to do it with you. Let's go. And so we all lift up our hearts to God. And then I remind you that when we turn our desires to God, we must start by giving thanks, which you do by responding, it is meet and right so to do. This is kind of like a prime liturgical example of the nature of prayer. It's the lifting up of ourselves to God to give thanks to him for who he is because of who he is. Prayer is not calling upon God to descend and accomplish our desires. No, it's our job to lift up our desires, to shape our desires, to change our desires, to match his. Once I was at uh, a conference. It, it was a dialogue between Jewish rabbis and evangelical pastors. And at one part of this dialogue, an evangelical pastor made a point about learning from Judaism about um, the uh, transcendence of God. And the rabbi who responded said, yeah, you guys do need to learn this. Uh, it's like all those Christians I hear about who, who pray to God when they pull into a parking lot. Oh, please, God, give me a good parking space. And at this point, all the rabbis in the room just burst out laughing. They couldn't believe it. They said, really, you guys do that? And the evangelical pastors, they're kind of chuckling sort of at this point. They're like, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah, yeah. But we need to learn about the transcendence more. You see this tension here. The rabbis are right. Prayer is about lifting up our lives into the transcendent life of God, not making God accomplish our desires. Today is the feast day of one of the greatest theologians of the early church, Gregory of Nazianzus. He was a fourth century bishop of Constantinople, actually. And he would have agreed wholeheartedly with the rabbis. He wrote in a treatise on prayer, and I quote, a person who comes to prayer without understanding does not lift himself up to the height of the giver, but rather craves that the divine power descend to the low and earthly level of his own desires. All of these people present their petitions to God not to be freed from their enslaving desire, but rather that their sickness might develop to its fullness. Our job is to change our desires, to pray that God transforms our desires to match his. So when Jesus says, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you, he really does want us to ask the Father. And the Father really does respond to us. But it depends on what we ask for and how we ask for it. If the focus of our petitions is a secure life, and by that I mean perfect health, 
financial stability, a successful job, and little to no sadness. We're asking for the wrong things. These categories are just viewing the world in the wrong way from strictly a physical viewpoint. It's, it's as if then our whole purpose on this earth is just security. As we have seen, we must first lift up our desires to God and view our lives from his reality, in his reality. All of our petitions should follow Jesus' example of thy will be done. This is hard, really hard to accomplish. But God desires, and this is truly amazing, God desires to work his will in you personally. Romano Guardini, he's an author that many of us have read here and who many of us really admire. He puts it this way. He says, my life is a point, the point which concerns me, where God acts. It is the workshop in which he creates. From me, something new is meant to emerge. Christian conduct is man acting in harmony with the activity of God, acting with humility because God alone matters, with obedience because from this activity should emerge something which can emerge only through God, and at the same time, full of lively confidence because every individual is a starting point for the divine creation. What Guardini means by an activity should emerge is the kingdom of God itself. It is through men, through you, through your prayer that the kingdom of God will emerge. Here lies the great weight of glory in which we live and in which we participate. We often settle in our prayers to just pray for our own goods rather than that God's glory is lived out in our lives. Pray then that God gives you the right desires and the right prayers so that your life, which is wrapped up into the divine life, may show forth God's love. As the collect appointed for today says, grant to us thy humble servants that by thy holy inspiration we may think those things that be good and by thy merciful guiding may perform the same. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.